I believe that veterans are the key to unlocking America's next golden age. By empowering and influencing one million veterans to transition well and become leaders in their communities, we can unlock our country's destiny and continue to change the world. My name is Bernard Bergen. John O'Gus is an author, educator, mentor, and international speaker who overcame a rough childhood and unlocked the giant deep within him. John knows firsthand what it means to make bad decisions and bad choices early on in life. But after he survived a high-speed car chase that ended in a car he was driving, crashing into a home at 90 miles per hour, John woke up to the possibility that he couldn't live this way anymore. John turned his life around by first admitting to himself what he wanted out of his life. Then he overcame every excuse and went after his education with a passion that took him all around the world. Jono has spoken at over 100 juvenile detention centers and schools across the United States. It's Jono's ultimate desire to free every person from the feelings of resentment and anger that comes from growing up in a broken home. Through his public speaking, coaching, and mentoring, Jono enables people to discover the intangibles that will enable them to overcome any challenge and accomplish any feat. Let's get started. You know, thanks again for being on the uh, Veterans Leadership Blog podcast. I met you this year and have just been impressed by your work and just your message to live triumphantly. Now, Mm -hmm. I went over to your website. Why is that message of living triumphant so much shown in the work you do? I don't know. There's so many things I can say about that right now, man. But one thing, if I could pinpoint one thing, the message of living triumphantly is so important because plain and simple, many people don't know that they can live triumphantly. I've come across so many different people where they've had so many different situations, so many different things occur in their lives, and they allow their past to dictate what happens in the future or what happens in the present. And for me, living a triumphal life means everything because I was always counted out. I mean, my father abandoned my mother and I in the basement of Chicago, Illinois. My mother disowned me, was raised by my grandmother, went down a terrible path, dropped out of high school, almost lost my life in a fatal car crash. But that was the wake up moment for me where it's like, okay, I can't continue to be angry and be resentful towards my parents for what they did to me. But it's time for me to take my life into my own hands and live that triumphal life that I can live. So once I did that, once I had that mentality that my life is mine and I need to take full control over it, Man, I, my life completely changed. And I started to live that triumphal life where I've been to several countries, became an international speaker, mm-hmm. been to over 100 juvenile detention centers and schools across the country. And so for me, I'm living the triumphal life. I'm living it now. And I've experienced a life where it's like, ah, uh, you know, I've been dealt a bad hand of life. Woe is me. But once you make the decision to just change everything and just take your life into your own hands, then that triumphal life, it is very possible, very attainable. You grew up in um, Miami, Florida area. Right. And you have seen and faced many challenges. What do you typically share with those who are from the same background, from Miami, 
from a place where you have extreme wealth, but also, you know, extreme poverty. And, mm-hmm. and you, how do you remind them to just continue to take the steps towards that triumphant life? Well, I would say <laughs> just take it a day at a time. Rome was not built in one day. That's what they say. And I like that principle because it has really kept me grounded and it keeps me grounded until today because we need to understand, man, as a people all together, whoever you are, you just need to understand that you didn't build these bad habits. You weren't born into the family that you were born into. You didn't do the things, all the things that you may have done or being raised in poverty. All those things just didn't happen by one decision. It took time for those things to come to pass. So it's the same thing when you're trying to change the course of your life, when you're trying to live a triumphant life, when you're trying to live a life of of a victor. It takes one decision at a time, one step at a time. And as you have that mentality and you move forward, then you'll definitely see major gains and a major change. Yeah, yeah. I've heard you speak before, and one of the things that I walked away with was that ultimately the intangibles are what we need to level up to change our situation. Can you touch on that just a bit? Man, intangibles, like I have the opportunity to speak to troubled teens in the school system, many of them coming from broken homes, and uh, you would say that these kids are the kids who... They're, they're, they're written off or they're bad kids or whatnot. But what I realize is that with these, working with these kids, working in the foster care system, being a life coach, everyone has intangibles, right? And whether the intangibles are good or bad, everyone has them. And so we just need to be able to access the intangibles that are good. Because a lot of times I've noticed, and even with my own I guess, process of going through the school system down here in Miami, Florida, a lot of times we like to think that, okay, it's all about how smart I am or how much I have. But it's nothing, it has nothing to do with that at all. If you have the intangibles of hardworking, mm-hmm. uh, if you have mm-hmm. the intangibles of being disciplined, if you have the intangibles that you will not give up, you will persevere, then you will be able to access, gain access to anything and everything that you want because it's really the intangibles is what makes the success of a person in any area of life or whatever situation that you're in. And so that's something that I really like to teach. It's something that I really like to preach that you have enough with inside of yourself to do what you need to do. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoy that. It reminds people that, yes, we all have different starts in life. But if you focus on what you can control, your effort, you know, your ability to show up on time, your ability to uh, be disciplined and focus about the work in front of you, that you can really shift what the outcomes are. Now, over on your website, JunoTheGiant.com, you have a quote, and I would love for you to just touch on this. It says, I believe education is the cornerstone in assisting young people who are growing up in a toxic environment to be overcomers and achievers. As a result, society as a whole will benefit. Can you break that down and unpack that for us? Okay. I know what the the type of kids, young people, teens that I deal with are mainly minorities. Mm. And what I notice in that community is we love to uplift sports a lot. And there is this mindset that we can only make it through like, if we want to be successful, we can only make it by being a professional athlete. 
Mm. Right? It's something that I, I noticed. And this also in ties with the intangibles as well, where sports are great. And I use sports as a tool to teach the kids about the intangibles that they possess. Like you said, discipline, effort, showing up on time, those are intangibles, right? But those are also the very same things that you need in order to get an education. Like you need to wake up and study. You need to maybe study longer hours if you're not really strong in a certain subject. You got to go to study groups. You need discipline, so on and so forth. And so for me, that quote means everything to me because at a point in time, I didn't realize how education was the key for me to get up out of the situation that I got up out of. Like growing up in poverty and in Miami, Florida, you know, sometimes you're, the lights being cut off, there's so many different things. I didn't have time or I didn't want to have time to think about education, how important it was. I used to hear it all the time. But when I enrolled back into school, and I did that a couple of times, as I went for my GED, dropped out, when the night school dropped out. But then when I rolled back to school to actually really focus to get my high school diploma, and I went off to college, I saw that, wow, there's a whole world out there. And, and like education, and just really speaking about formal education right now, it can open up so many doors. It can make you see the world. Like me going to college, I was able to, just from going to college, it had me to see the world. Going to Malawi, Africa, mm. going to Haiti for a couple of months, helping and assisting mm. the people in 2010 after the earthquake. You know, that's mm. just formal education that allowed me to go to different schools and talk to kids and do all these different things. Like I would have never gone to those places if I would have never gone and gotten an education. Right. But more than a formal education, I'm talking about just the education of life altogether. Mm-hmm. How do you treat people? You know, social interactions, all of these different things, because those things are, I mean, (laughs) I'm married and my wife, you know, she had it tough because she had to teach me all those things because I was just very abrasive. Like I just say whatever. And Mm. she had to teach me, you know, there's a certain way that you talk to people, you know, because I wasn't taught that. You know what I mean? Coming from the home that I came from, I wasn't taught that. So just education in general, it would definitely make society a better place because the crime would go down. Mm. You know, I believe that Mm. society as a whole will be better because we'll have not just educated with degrees, but educate people as human beings walking around and looking to make a difference and do certain things in their communities, so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that because I'm so focused on the word toxic in the quote overall. And mm-hmm. education being the antidote to toxicity. And I love that because, you know, just in society, we have so many different flavors of uh, opinions and ways of being. But if we're all educated, whether formal, informal, continuing our education, we can all get to the table and see why we disagree in certain areas and, and respectfully, you know, respectfully, continue, yep. yeah, continue to serve the societies and communities we belong to without you know, like you said, being overly abrasive without being overly judgmental and without right. disregarding the rights and will of people from various backgrounds to exist and live the way they choose to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Now, let me ask Definitely. this. Why Jono the Giant? I know that's a question you get asked all the time. Why <laughs> Giant? That's something I'm curious about. Well, first of all, <laughs> it's simple. If you ever seen me before, I have, I have. yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> you know, three hundred and twenty plus pounds, six eight, and so it just fits, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the giant means 
it has it's meant a lot more to me than just being a name or a symbol calling me John O the Giant. But I want to be a symbol of for people to understand that everyone has a giant within themselves. Mm. They just need to be able to summon the giant. Wow. Right. So for me is we all no matter what background you come from, you have some sort of challenges, hurdles that you have to be able to overcome. You need to be able to get over. And a lot of times fear and doubt cripples us so mm-hmm. that we don't overcome those challenges and fears. But if every single person can summon the giant within themselves, believing in themselves that, okay, I can get over this. I am great in this. I can do this. Then this is what the giant is about right? We'll be able to get over a lot of different things. So that's why I say my my thing is, you know, telling young people, summon the giant within yourselves, because that's what I had to do. You know, though I was always a big kid, I was still small in in heart and in spirit because Mm. I was just so, I made so many excuses. I felt sorry for myself growing up. I used to be like, you know, why me? Why does, why did I have to be handed this card? You know, why couldn't my father be in my life like the other kids? Or why couldn't my mother be with me? Or why did we have to be so poor? I used to always do that. And that made me small, Mm. though I was big in stature. Mm. But like I said, when I made the decision to live the triumphant life and take my life into my own hands, that was me summoning the giant within myself. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Now, Let's talk about the 18-year-old you, the 18-year-old giant. Now, Mm -hmm. would you have listened to what you're sharing with us, with the listeners today at 18 years old? You know what? On the surface, I probably would have acted like I was not, I'm not listening. Hmm. But internally, I would be listening because that's exactly, that's my story. I remember my grandmother's very religious, so we used to go to church every weekend. And I could do whatever I wanted to do, age of 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, coming home three, four, five, six in the morning. But I knew once the weekend hit, if I wanted a place to stay, I needed to go to church. Mm. That was just non-negotiable. So there was a youth group at the church. There were many different people older than me who would religiously try to pour into me and try to speak to me and try to counsel me and try to guide me and direct me. But on the surface, I was not listening. However, I truly believe that these people planted seeds within me because I was listening, but I wanted to act as if I wasn't listening. Mm -hmm. So when the time came for the seed to germinate, then everything fell into place. So I would say the 18-year-old Jono probably would have acted like he's not listening. But in the heart of hearts, he's listening. Wow. Wow. I love that. I love that because you're just reminding, you know, our listeners, whether they're parents or they have young people or, you know, even some young service members as well, that we understand that you are who you are. But Mm -hmm. as you let the right messages in, you know, your life will start to reflect, you know, the leadership that you're following. And, And I always, you know, make sure I share that that way. That if you know your life is heading down a path that you don't enjoy, which leader are you following? And as you said, you know, I had to be in this, this space of uh, positive messages, this space of ideas that connected me to something greater than myself. And that started to uh, not just plant seeds, but water the seeds that allowed me to change and summon mm, my, my mm, intuition. Now, let me ask this because, you know, you've traveled quite extensively, you know, even with your speaking now. Now, Military children and military families, even veterans, their children tend to get uprooted a lot. And mm-hmm. you know, while they might not be from broken homes, they still spend a ton of time away from 
their parents, whether their parents are deployed, training, et cetera. And at times they might feel like they're on the back burner. So a lot of challenging situations in the military and veteran leaders community. What would you say to children who grow up in that type of environment where, yes, their mom and dad may be in their lives, but they're spending 12 months or more at times away from their parents? How should they Mm -hmm. adjust and what ideas should they take forward to help them summon their inner giant and connect to their destiny? Well, I mean, it may be a little difficult for a teen, for a kid to understand this, but I would just say, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side and there's always someone out there that has it worse than you. Mm. It's good for the simple fact that you know who your parents are and is looking at your parents as a figure like, wow, you know, they are serving our country. They are not just providing for me and the liberties that I have just in my home, but everyone in the entire country. So I would say it's just the way that they look at their situation. Like you have your parents, which is a great thing. Yeah, they may not be there all the time, but yet, you know, eventually, you know, if everything works out, your parents, they come home and just try to stay active as much as possible. I mean, nothing can really replace a parent or a loved one not being there, but there are little things that you can do to kind of stay active in order for you not to like really kind of like just sit in that and just, you know, wallow in that and think about it so much. Yeah. You, you saying to stay active triggered a memory for me. Ray Allen grew up in a military family and um, basketball was his way of staying active through Mm -hmm. all the moves, Mm -hmm. you know, and he Mm -hmm. he went on to do incredible things, you know, at the professional level in basketball. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just that advice, to a young service member or even to their children who are listening, staying active is definitely one of the strategies that you should deploy right away in your life. But that makes me think of this, Jono. Again, when you're in those types of situations, you're in school, you're seeing other people's parents pick them up or show up to their games, but your dad, your mom, they're away, they're deployed, they're serving Mm -hmm. the country. So Mm -hmm. again, that leads to a bit of anger. And you have this great book that you wrote, When Giants Get Fed Up From Anger to Ambition. Now, take us through what letting go of that anger or channeling that anger looks and then dial in, dialing Mm -hmm. in ambition. What does that process look like? First of all, anger is a destructive thing. Mm. It can really kill everything that you ever try to do. Because for me, my parents not being there for me, it built anger and resentment in my heart. And I just could not function as a kid. I could not function. I couldn't do anything. But I didn't realize it at the time. But as I got older and I realized about that, the anger and the resentment I had, the first thing I had to do was forgive my parents for what took place. And I had to start to be able to put myself in their shoes and just try to see, okay, things may not have been easy for them when they were younger. And so this may have played a major role in them passing it down to me. And the whole anger thing, the whole having resentment from going to anger to ambition, it's like it's the same type of feeling, but a different type of feeling. I I don't even know how to explain it, but it's still like this driving force because the anger drives you to do certain things on a negative end, but the ambition drives you to do something on a positive end. Mm. So it's just like a reframing where I realized that, okay, now it was like, My parents gave me a bad hand. They dealt me a bad hand. Now, my objective and my primary motive in life 
this is my ambition to make sure I don't do the same thing for my kids. Mm. So that's me going to school, getting an education. That's me moving forward and starting a consulting speaking business. That's me moving forward and doing missionary work. That's me just trying to be the best father, the best example that I can be to my children because I didn't have that. So that's where the anger to ambition comes from. So before it's like, I'm angry at my parents, mm-hmm. but now I'm thankful because now it's like it turned to something good. It has given me a purpose on why I do what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, from getting to know you a bit and, and from watching your work, one of your most watched videos is the video on be prepared. Can you just talk us through what preparation looks like for you and why is that so important and impactful in your journey? Well, being prepared, I mean, in life, it's everything. It's everything because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but you have to operate as if something is going to happen tomorrow. And it's not just negative, but it's positive as well right? Anything can happen at even any given moment and being prepared puts you in a place where you can actually embrace and accept whatever is going to come your way. Yeah. And so I try to always tell the young people that you can't wait until you get to college to be prepared for college. Mm. Being prepared for college starts in middle school. It starts in seventh, eighth grade. And so I do this thing with them where I ask them, okay, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, they'll say doctor, lawyer, or NFL player, NBA player. They'll throw these different things out. And I'll do an exercise with them. I said, okay, so tell me the first steps you need to take in order to be a physician. What do you need to do? Mm. And I'm asking, I'm going to say, okay, so you want to be a physician. However, you don't know that you need to have four years after college in order to be a physician. You don't know that physicians have to go through a residency period. Mm. You don't know, you don't know what a residency is. You don't even know how many credits it takes to graduate high school. So how are you going to become this physician? Like everything starts right now. And that's one thing. And I realized in specifically, you know, I can speak from my culture living here, down here in this melting pot with minorities in Miami, Florida, a lot of young people, they're just going to school and they're saying they want to do these things. However, they don't understand the preparation Mm. that it will take to get to where they really want to get to. And so that's one key piece that I try to use. And what I do is I use like sports analogies and entertainers to show like, you know, these people, they didn't just wake up one day and just became famous, but they were preparing long before they even came into the spotlight. They had things that they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. What I love about how you broke that down, you know, as I watch your work and watch your social posts, you know, you have, again, different examples of living the triumphant life. You have different examples of being an overcomer, different examples of being victorious. Any one of those examples speak to you most directly when you're probably struggling to hit your next level or struggling to Mm. motivate a group of young people or administrators, because I know you train administrators as well, Mm -hmm. to just focus in on being available in the moment and giving their all to that task or what's in front of them. I would say, man, my number one example that really gets me up is the example of LeBron James. Mm. Because a lot of people see LeBron James and they see the athlete. But for me, I see more than the athlete, but I see that young boy who was raised by a 16-year-old mother. Mm. I see that young boy who, because of poverty, bounced from family members' home to family members' home to friends' home, who missed nearly the entire fourth grade 
I see a boy who had to go through the streets of Akron, Ohio, where it wasn't, they lived in poverty and he's seen drugs, he's seen violence, he's seen these different things. However, at the end of the day, he is now worth over 400 plus million dollars. Mm. And he didn't have his father in his life. He didn't have anything handed to him. But what he did was he took a talent that he had and he utilized that talent to open up other streams of income from. So now his family will never starve again. Mm. And so when I look at his story and I mirror it to my story and I see these other young kids out here who aspire to be this athlete or they aspire to be this physician or this lawyer, I'm saying, look, hey, (laughs) no matter what hand you're dealt, you can make a bad hand turn into a good hand. And so for me, when I'm talking about the victorious life, the overcoming life, the triumphant life, he is one of the main figures that I think about is like, wow, you know, it is more than possible. There's more than possible to live a triumphant life. Absolutely. It made me think of, you know, this saying that you have too much potential, too much talent, too much in you for you to get stuck where you are. Mm. Now, I know that you're passionate about showcasing that we can go from false starts and uh, setbacks to truly living a life that we deserve, that we are excited to wake up every day and be a part of. Now, I know you've also seen people given that opportunity fail to make the changes in the time frame that was necessary. Mm-hmm. How do you motivate or strategically rebound from those moments yourself? And I would like you to also take some time to speak to administrators, maybe probation officers, principals, people who care about the same space that you care about, mm-hmm. and just remind them to do the self-care so that they can continue to give their best work because right. it's so necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my background being in uh, marriage and family, and when you're in a social work field, when you're dealing with uh, tough cases, um, when you're a teacher who's dealing with <laughs> all type of behavioral issues when it comes to students, it is easy, it's very easy to get overwhelmed. It is very easy to get discouraged, despondent. It is, it, you just want to give up a lot of the time, you know. Mm. And my wife, she's also a teacher, so I see it. She, my wife is a teacher, so I see it with her as well. And the thing, what many people fail to realize, when you're in these positions, it is so, I can't, I, can't, I don't know how much I could <laughs> express this, but it's so important for you to take care of yourself first. It's self-care is different from everyone. Everyone has a different way of self-care. For me, if I can read a couple of sports articles laying in bed, I can watch a couple of uh, basketball clips, if I can go to the gym, that's good enough for me. Mm. Right. Self-care looks different for everybody. It's important to have this self-care because if you are not taken care of, if you're not taking care of yourself, then your gas tank is empty and you have nothing to give those kids who need something. And I also believe a part of self-care, which is very important, where a lot of administrators and teachers and principals, they may not necessarily see is self-care helps you to put your, how can I say it? It helps you to put yourself in the kid's shoes. There should be a time of meditation, I should say, because you could be dealing with the kid so much every single day and you forget that where this kid is coming from. You may not even realize that, man, this kid may be going to a house where there's no light, there's no water. 
right? And so self-care really helps us to really put things in the proper perspective. Yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Put things into the proper perspective, have some empathy when you're dealing with these troubled kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that. And I like how you just took us through your process and just spoke to the need of just busy administrators, busy principals, you know, busy people doing the work to empower our future LeBrons to remember to keep going. And it made me think of your, the byline of your book, When Giants Get Fed Up from Anger to Ambition. And you have a special way you break down fed up. Did you want to discuss that, Any? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Fed up is an acronym that stands for focus, education, deception, unlearn, and push. And that's pretty much my process on how I've gotten to where I am today currently. I needed to focus on what was where I wanted to be. Mm. Not what was currently happening in my life, but where I wanted to be. And so anything that would hinder me from that, from focusing on where I wanted to be, then I had to cut it out. And we spoke about education. I believe that education is a critical piece to helping you focus on where you want to get to because I know a lot of people feel as if, oh, yeah, I don't need to go to school, but huh, school is, it can get you into a lot of places. You can do a lot of different things if you are educated. And it's not just going to school just to go to school to get a degree, but more so of the relationships that you will build with people that would help you and that you can help in the long run. Mm-hmm. Deception. Deception, I would, believe, I would say, man, that's probably one of my best ones, especially now, my favorite ones now, like the time that we live in. When social media age, everything is perception and people are deceiving each other. We're all deceiving each other when it comes to social media. Mm. And when I was growing up, there was no social media, but there was a deception piece of, okay, I used to think that, okay, these kids have it better than me because they have their parents Mm. or these kids have it better than me because they don't have to walk to school and they have their cars. But then as I got older and I'm still around those friends and I still see them, it's like they're more worse off than I am because their, you know, their parents are no longer together. There was stuff going on in the home that I had no clue about that they were going through. I'm like, wow, I was being deceived. You know, and it's not like them intentionally trying to deceive me, but because I'm looking at my situation, I'm thinking that my situation is the worst in the world. I'm allowing the surface of everybody else's situation to deceive me, right? So just moving away from that deception, moving yeah. away from what your eyes are telling you on the surface and unlearn, <laughs> unlearning every single thing that I thought was right. Because growing up as a young black male in the streets of Miami, Florida, in any streets anywhere, whether you're in LA, whether you're in New York, any major city, wherever, there's a, there's a code. And you feel as if you don't smile, you have to be this tough guy, you always have to react if somebody says something to you. And those are the things that I really had to unlearn because in the real progressive, successful world, those things, those rules don't matter. They don't work. Mm. And so I had to unlearn all of those different things and learn the proper way of how to conduct myself as an educated black male. And to be honest, sometimes to this day, I still struggle with some of those things because they're so deeply rooted inside of me. And I have to like tell myself, okay, I'm no longer that person. I don't have to be this way. I don't have to react this way. I don't have to say things in this way. I don't have to be standoffish and not uh, talk to anybody because we have this thing called down here, Miami friendly. I don't want to be friendly, meaning, you know, being friendly is a bad thing. You know, Mm. those are codes that I had to unlearn. 
last but not least, the, the push, pushing through all of it, pushing to stay focused, pushing for the education, pushing to move away from the deception, just pushing, pushing, pushing to unlearn every single thing that you were taught that you thought was right, just pushing, pushing through life. Because at the end of the day, when you're pushing, you're pushing to be triumphant. You're pushing to be an overcomer. Yeah. You're pushing to be victorious. Wow. Wow. I love it. I love it. And I, you know, I love how they're all connected, but it's so personal. I think the ones that really stood out to me was the D deception, how we're all because of our social construct telling certain lies mm -hmm. without, you know, stripping yeah. ourselves from the baggage that those lies create for us to carry. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the unlearn, the unlearn hit me hard as well, because what we do on this show so many times is talk about transitions and you served or you were in certain situations and you said mm -hmm. it, there's a code you live by. And at some point you have to unlearn, you have yeah. to move beyond that to connect yeah. with what's next. And I think you really broke down how you process that and how we can use some of the tools and tips that you shared to go on our process to get there as well. Now, Absolutely. Besides JonoTheGiant.com, where else can people grab a copy of your book? Because I'm pretty sure you just breaking that down is definitely going to be of interest to people who are listening. And <laughs> secondly, what's next for Juno the Giant? What are your future giant moves that you're going to be making? And where can we connect with you? Mm -hmm. So um, if you want to get the book, you can always get it on iTunes. You can get it on, or iBooks, I'm sorry. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Kindle. It's all there for you to um, get it. If you ever want to connect with me, always on Instagram. I reply quickly. I'm always on Facebook. I reply quickly. Both my Instagram and Facebook are Jono the Giant. So J-O-N-O, mm -hmm. the Giant. Jono the Giant, you can find me there and we can definitely connect. You also can send me an email at Jono, Jono at JonoTheGiant.com. So that's Jono at JonoTheGiant. Com. Okay, great, great, great. Man, this was a powerful uh, just session, just hearing your thoughts. Definitely um, understand the vision for why you do what you do even more. What other words of wisdom would you share with the community? And also, if there are any books, podcasts, or training or personal development communities that you would like to shout out, uh, feel free to do so as well. Mm-hmm. One place I like to shout out, of course, is Breathe University. That Breathe University by Eric Thomas and Associates, that's a university that's definitely changed my life for the better. I'm being able to meet like-minded people. And I always hear it so many times, like, oh, well, there's nobody over here that, you know, wants to do the things that I do. Or, you know, I feel like as if I'm the always only the only person that is trying to aspire to do something. But thank God we have social media and we connect with people across the globe, across the country. Mm. And you know, the Breed University has done so much for me where I've gained so many, I can't express so many valuable, valuable relationships. Breed University, one book that I would say that I would, man, one book that had really, really absolutely rocked my world. I have many, but this one, how successful people think by John Maxwell. Mm. That played a major role on how I operated 
and how I completely function in life altogether. Because it's more than just about being successful, but it's more of a growth mindset of how just how to live as a person, as a functional human being on earth, serving others, living for others, doing for yourself. So how successful people think that I would recommend that to anyone. A last word of encouragement, I would just say focus on what you can control. Hmm. Focus on what you can control. I was in a space one time where (laughs) I'm just putting all of my energy towards what people didn't do or did to me that I didn't like. Oh, wow. Of course, first started with my parents. And I put so much energy there that in return, I wasn't focusing on the things that I needed to focus on that were in my possession to focus on and to move forward with. And I completely got sidetracked for such a long period of time. But when I started to focus on the things that I can control, then good things started to happen. And all focusing on what you can control is really is really taking ownership of your life and doing what you need to do with whatever's in your possession. So focus on what you can control, not worrying about what he or she is doing or not doing, but completely putting all of your energy into exactly what you can control and what you can do. Wow, wow, wow. Man, John, we will have to have another discussion as you continue your work. Absolutely. I'm just really taken aback by the passion you have for this space. And I just hope that this episode and, you know, just other future media that you release starts to just resonate with the bigger community because, you know, at times we forget that our young people are tomorrow's leaders and Mm -hmm. the more of them we lose to the various systems out there, even, you know, those that die a bit too young, we all lose something that would have blessed us in the future. So on behalf of all those who would have wanted to say thank you, I'm going to say a thank you for you doing the work and reminding our administrators that their work is important, training our principals that what they do matters. And I just wish you, you know, good success as you continue your endeavors. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on here. It's definitely a blessing and a privilege. Well, thank you very, very much, Jono. And uh, you have an amazing evening and thank you for squeezing us in, in your busy schedule. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Bless you. All right. Thank you.